stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Well, here we are again. Another Saturday evening has rolled around. Thanks for joining us. The uh, time now on this Saturday evening is officially 5.06, and my name is Sam Shame. This is Weekend Live. We're live in the KFBK studios every Saturday night from 5 to 7. And uh, you're welcome to join in the conversation. We take a look back at some of the stories that were making headlines, dig a little bit deeper, go a little bit deeper into the weeds. Maybe some stories you did not see on your 5, 6, and 10 or 11 o'clock newscasts. And we'll take a look at some of the big news of today and a look ahead at what we can expect. And we did have big news today. Uh, G7 Summit wrapped up. Didn't go all that well. And we'll get into more of the specifics on that coming up uh, very shortly. Local city, there's a proposal to raise the sales tax one percentage point to raise almost $100 million. Why do they need that money? What's the real reason? What are they telling us? And what may be the real reason? Maybe two different stories. Uh, We learned this week, of course, that it will be John Cox and Gavin Newsom running off for the governor of, of our great state of California, And uh, we are going to take a look back a little bit on the uh, victories of both of those men, what they had to say, and and their comments on on both election night and the next day really revealing as to the strategies both of these fellows will be using in as as we get closer to November and in the early part of November. There is a former White House official who is on the record saying that he believes that President Trump may shut down the government prior to the midterm elections. Why he says he might do something like that we'll have coming up in the next couple of hours. Uh, I don't know if you have been caught up on what took place at the G7 summit. Uh, Maybe you've already seen some of the sound bites or have read some of the quotes online. Um, If you have a thought on that already, I'll just give you the phone number. It's 916-921-1530. The toll-free number is 1-800-834-1530. But we're going to dig deeper into that right now. President Trump told foreign leaders at the Group of Seven Summit that they must dramatically reduce trade barriers with the United States or they would risk losing access to the world's largest economy, that being, of course, the United States. There were numerous signs at this meeting that leaders of the other countries stood their ground. From all indications, tensions were very high. The question becomes, are we headed for a trade war? And there seems to be some signs that we just may be. And if that happens, it could impact the flow of hundreds of billions of dollars in goods and potentially impact millions of jobs in the United States and all around the world. So the G7, uh, the countries that make up the G7, Britain, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and Canada, along with the United States. And Trump pushed all of them to consider removing every single tariff or trade barrier on American goods and, in return, He would do the same for products from their countries. But if the steps are not taken, he said the penalties would be severe. Here's our first audio clip. President Trump, as he departed the meeting today, held a news conference on his own. No other countries were there. Here's the first audio clip from that news conference. At the top of the list was the issue of trade. Very important subject because the United States has been taken advantage of for decades and decades, and we can't do that anymore. That was just one of the tough talk sound bites that we pulled today. We've got a couple of more that I want to play for you. But the indications are also that a number of pictures were taken by Reuters and the Associated Press and other news agencies of some of the leaders in the meeting as a door was open. 
and it seemed as though it was indeed very contentious between all of the parties involved. And there was a little in terms of negotiation, at least successful negotiation, which was accomplished in the meeting. Trump very clearly said beforehand that he would take a tough stance, and by all appearances, he did. And there reportedly was pushback from the other countries. Now keep this in mind. President Trump said that the U.S. lost $800 billion in trade in the past year. $800 billion. And he said, that's going to end. Here's the second audio clip. I think committed. I think they are starting to be committed to a much more fair trade situation for the United States because it has been treated very, very unfairly. And I don't blame other leaders for that. I blame our past leaders. There was no reason that this should have happened. Last year, they lost 800, we as a nation, over the years. But the latest number is $817 billion on trade. That's ridiculous, and it's unacceptable. And everybody was told that. This sounds exactly like the Trump who was on the campaign trail. This is exactly what he said. And he is now finally following through on that campaign promise. He, in the past year, has admittedly, and he now says, I think, reluctantly, uh, been negotiating, not from a position of strength, but in a, from a position of trying to acquiesce and get along, and that was per his advisors. Some of those advisors have been replaced, and he is taking a much tougher stance. At this second G7 gathering of the Trump's presidency, the question of whether the U.S. leader would follow through on those campaign boasts about punishing international freeloaders has largely been answered. He followed through. Representatives from other G7 countries said that they felt like they had made progress in conveying their positions to Trump, something many of them felt pressured to do by their voters at home. Trump arrived at the meeting late. He left early. And again, he held this solo news conference on Saturday morning this morning, and he gave that trade ultimatum. He said the size of the U.S. economy means that other nations simply cannot win a trade war. He said the U.S. leaders before him negotiated what he called bad trade deals for the U.S., and they are to blame. And he says he does not blame the leaders from other G7 countries. So I don't blame them. I blame our leaders. In fact, I congratulate the leaders of other countries for so crazily being able to make these trade deals that were so good for their country and so bad for the United States. But those days are over. He spoke specifically about Canada, uh, both before he left in a long-winded, frankly, uh, news conference that he had with reporters outside the White House. lasted about 20 minutes. And he pointed specifically to Canada. He said that Canada imposes about a 270% tariff on milk from the United States. And he said, that's just simply unfair. Phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Are you worried about a trade war and what that might mean for our economy, not to mention the world economy? Now, in terms of milk, how this impacts California is this. California, the dairy farmers, produce the most milk of any state in the country. So not only would they be impacted by a trade war there, they're already being impacted by what took place from Canada in Canada. 
They are in danger of becoming the casualties in the Trump administration's trade war. Mexico's government slapped import tariffs this past week on many types of cheese and a host of other American-made goods in retaliation for President Trump's decision to levy duties on Mexican steel and aluminum. And Trudeau of Canada has indicated that they will levy tariffs of their own on U.S. products beginning July 1st in retaliation. So it appears game on. It looks as though we're heading down that path. And at this point, it doesn't seem as though either side is willing to cave. Is this a game of chicken that we should be playing? Phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Time now is a 515. When we come back, there's a local city. They want to raise the sales tax, and they want to raise a lot of money. What they say they'll use that money for might be very different than what they really intend to use the money for. We will explore that and other news of the day on the other side. My name is Sam Shane. This is KFBK News Radio Weekend Live. Back in a moment. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. Justify won the Belmont and has now become the 13th Triple Crown Champion. Justify led all the way to win the Belmont Stakes by one and three quarter lengths and became horse racing's 13th Triple Crown Champion and second in four years. What a horse. That is a one magnificent horse. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, We're going to talk about the local city where they want to raise the sales tax, why they say they're doing it, why they may really be doing it, and why if you are a public employee on any level in any place, you might want to be concerned. Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg announced this past week he will ask voters to raise the city's sales tax to one percentage point through a November ballot measure. He wants to raise up another one percentage point. Now he says the money is going to go to affordable housing and services for the homeless and new libraries and other citywide signature projects. So in the first clip from the mayor, when he gave his speech, he referenced a penny. He used that as he talked about raising tens of millions of dollars a year with a higher sales tax. It's an additional half penny, and I don't take that lightly. But I'm confident when people see what we could do with a full penny, um, that they will respond very favorably. Well, it's one penny on one dollar. I mean, you know, you can keep doing the math there. It's it's not going to be a penny for $100. So he said that the penny is how he's trying to sell this plan to raise it. Now, here here's here's the backstory on this. In the city of Sacramento there was a a measure called Measure U and the city voters in 2012 passed Measure U. And it raised the sales tax a half of percentage point. And that money was used, they said at the time, to pay for police and firefighters and parks. But see, that was a temporary measure, and it's set to expire next year. 
and they're raising $50 million a year on that half a percentage point. So all of a sudden, a penny becomes $100 million. That's what they really want to raise here. Because if they, if the voters approve this in November, he's got, he wants to float this as a bond measure for the Sacramento City voters in November. And if they prove, uh, approve it, they're going to get $100 million more million. And he also said, okay, we're going to use it to, you know, as I mentioned, build libraries and, and pay for all the infrastructure and make Sacramento a better city. And he also said that high-wage jobs, attracting them to the Sacramento City area, that's also a goal. We have a choice. We either lead together or we simply hope for the best. If being a catalyst with business and labor in the community to create more high-wage jobs and industries is not a core mission, it must become one. What do you think of the idea just overall generally raising the sales tax one percentage point in the city of Sacramento? Phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. So instead of just extending the half percentage hike that was put in place in 2012 temporarily, they want to raise it a full percentage point, and that would bring the total sales tax to 8.75% in the city when you account for state and local tax components, okay? It would be the highest in the region. It would be tied with Little Eilton. So, is this a good call? Let's listen to one more argument from the mayor of Sacramento as to why he believes it is. Every advantage, every opportunity that easily exists for some neighborhoods, for some people, must also exist for all neighborhoods and all our people. This is a classic argument technique that we hear time and again from lawmakers who want to raise taxes, who want more of our money. They appeal to our emotion as human beings. They say to us, look, if you care about other people, if you're compassionate, if you have a heart, then you have to give us more tax money. Because that's the definition in their mind of compassion. And he went right back to that argument. Is that fair? Here's the other issue. As I was reading this headline and putting together my stack, I just couldn't believe it. I was thinking to myself, this doesn't make any sense. You need $100 million a year? to build libraries and make our community better? And then I thought to myself, wait a minute. They need this money to pay pensions. They're running out of money. And sure enough, taxpayer advocates already say they're alarmed. Craig Powell is a person of interest. He works for a local government watchdog group called Eye on Sacramento, and he said, and I quote, this is first, last, and always a pension tax. Here are the numbers, and here, here's, here's how you know that this is a pension tax. City's pension costs projected to increase from $82 million this year to $129 million in 2023. 
according to budget documents. I'll say that again, going from 82 million to 129 million in a time frame of about five to six years. It's ballooning, it's mushrooming, and it's not just Sacramento. This is happening in city, county governments all across the state of California. And for decades, we have had lawmakers, politicians, and leaders who have promised public workers beautiful pension benefits, big pensions. But the problem is the baby boomers are retiring, and the money's not there, and CalPERS is in big trouble, and that's flowing downhill. And there are people who worked in the public sector all across California who are nervous, and frankly, they should be. They're nervous that the money's not going to be there when they retire. And what we're seeing in Sacramento, a mayor who's pushing for a 1% sales tax increase, is what we're going to see across the state of California. Because either they're going to have to raise taxes, they're going to have to cut services, or people who are supposed to get their pensions aren't going to get them, or they're going to get a smaller pension. And frankly, our leadership has not been honest with all of us about this. They don't want to tell us the truth about this. So they say, you know what, we're going to raise taxes so we can build you libraries. No, that's not why you're raising taxes. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. What do you think about all this? Should they be straight with us? Should they be telling us what's going on here? And why aren't they? Are you looking for a pension? Are you going to get one? And if you're due to get one, do you think you'll get it? Are you worried? Are you concerned? You can give us a call and weigh in on that. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live on KFBK News Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Graduation season, right? A lot of graduation parties taking place tonight, this weekend. Congratulations to everybody who graduated. And if you graduated from college, good luck finding a job. And if you're graduating from high school, enjoy college. Time now is 5.36. My name's Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live here at KFBK. We're here every Saturday night from 5 until 7. And we're glad you've joined us here talking about the day's issues. And we are at the moment talking about a proposal by the mayor of Sacramento to raise the sales tax, put it on the November ballot by one full percentage point. And we want to go to Ann, who calls in from Sacramento. Hi, Ann. How are you this evening, Hi. and what are your thoughts? Well, thank you for bringing this up. It, this is this would be to um, enhance you, which has a sunset clause, and make it permanent, as I heard it yesterday. That's correct. Which is bad news. I've been waiting over two and a half years to get my sidewalk repaired. From by the city? Yeah, yeah. The the uh, yeah. Si- the sidewalk police came by and marked up the sidewalk, and I signed the papers to get it fixed. And I've been waiting two and a half years. There's many issues in this city, and they have all sorts of ways of little fines here. Or right. uh, my burglar alarm started out uh, at uh, I think forty dollars every three years, and now it's <laughs> thirty dollars a year, which is means it's an increase of fifty dollars right. over three years. Right. 
So, uh, and this is not unusual. I mean, they they this, these the, the the typical suspects in this case are doing that not just in Sacramento; they're doing it at cities all across the country. And they tell you that they're 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 going to raise the sales tax a full percentage point, which would raise a hundred million dollars a year, so that they can fix your sidewalk and build a public library near you and do all the things that they promise you to do. But the no, fact, no, no, I have to pay for the sidewalk. Oh, so you have to pay for that. They're going to fix it and bill me. <laughs> okay. Oh, so they're going to bill you, so you get to yeah, pay but, them again. But that was two and a half years ago. Well, they're in no hurry, <laughs> right? But you know, here's my point. Here's my broader point. They have a they have a, an enormous pension problem, and that's what they need the money for. The pensions, the the, the projected increase in pension payments, eighty two million this year to one hundred and twenty nine million in five years. Well, uh, Steinberg is uh, penny wise and pound foolish. That's my impression. But on this penny, if you're buying a forty thousand dollar car, yeah, it's not a penny. That's an additional four hundred dollars on the purchase. Mm-hmm, correct. Correct. So, uh, are there any new car dealers left in Sacramento in the city limits? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I know some of them have kind of moved around Sacramento County a bit. I don't know within the city limits how many there are. That's a good question. I'm not. I'm not well versed on. Well, that. that's the the type of item that that's going to make this half per, half percent hurt. <laughs> oh sure, no. When you buy the big ticket item, is when look a, a percentage point period is a lot, and then and that takes it up to eight point seven five percent in the city of Sacramento. Permanently. Permanently. Correct. Whoever is, uh, criticizes I mean, this and becomes the opposition, they should make it clear that it's permanent. Right. I mean, and another way you can look at it is it's it's 1.25% from being 10%. I mean, another 1.25% on top of 875 Now you're at 10% that you're giving up just in sales tax. I'm not talking about income tax. Well, I and understood. <laughs> all you know, all property tax and all the other taxes that you pay in the state of California. Um, so you know, but the broader point here is that I, I just believe, and I don't know if you agree with this, Anne. Our political leaders have got to be—they've got to get straight with us about how deeply in debt this state is, which means all of us. I don't taxes. think Steinberg is capable of that. Do you know if? Uh, uh, City Council District Five has been settled. I don't. Uh, I know. Janeiro. Look, I, I know that there are in a number of locales all throughout the region a lot of votes that are still not uh, counted. Well, uh, I was listening to the Bay Area sta- uh, news station, and uh, they haven't settled their mayor's race, and there's a, about a 400 ballot uh, difference mm. between the. Uh, uh, Leno and the I think it's a woman that he's that's on top. Okay, okay. Well, you know, look, I think a lot of this is going to shake out over the next couple of weeks. We get a lot of these votes counted. So, well, thank you, thank you for taking this hour. Hey, thank you, Ann. I really appreciate your call. You made some great Th- points, and uh, you. hopefully, you will hear from you soon. It's uh, five forty-one here at KFBK. My name is Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live, and the phone number is nine one six nine two one fifteen thirty one eight hundred eight three four fifteen thirty. Uh, we're going over a lot of the day's topics, a lot of the week's news in the past, and looking forward as we do every Saturday night right here for a live two hours of discussion. So we're going to transition because Ann did a nice job for us with that with uh, into the elections. And, of course, uh, we got a lot of returns which, which have come in, and we do know the results of a lot of the races. And, and quite frankly, probably the most interesting race that took place statewide was the race for governor. And we now are down to two. Gavin Newsom, the Democrat, and John Cox, the Republican. And 
We heard from them not only on election night, Tuesday night, but we also heard from them on Wednesday morning about their thoughts about the race now. And they played their hands, both of them, slightly uh, in terms of how they're going to strategize going forward. Cox did very well in this election. Um, this this guy has gone from maybe three, four months ago at 6%, went to 14%, then to 17%, um, up to 20%. And he finished with about 26.5% of the vote compared to about 33% of the vote for Newsom. That's a pretty good finish. I mean, that's within striking distance. Uh, whether he has enough now to overcome uh, Gavin Newsom, the Democrat, in a blue state, well, we will see. But we got an indication of what we what these two men will be talking about. So we're going to play for you. We're going to ping pong these audio clips between the two here uh, over the course of the next 20 minutes or so, and you can get an idea of where they're going to be going. And then you can kind of watch it play out as we move forward. Will they indeed follow this strategy? So first of all, what we can expect from John Cox and his campaign against Gavin Newsom. Uh, Gavin Newsom has already told us what he's going to do. He's going to double the income tax. He's going to increase property taxes. He's going to fight the ta gas tax repeal. Uh, we're going to repeal the gas tax. Uh, Josh Newman got recalled. People are outraged. They're paying over $4 a gallon for gasoline. That's going to go up to 5 uh, People can't afford to buy a house in this state. Uh, businesses are leaving left and right. People are leaving left and right. Uh, the California dream now is dreaming about Texas uh, and getting out of the state. There it is, John Cox. He's going to run on those quality of life issues and the economy. Can you afford to live here? What about this gas tax? By the way, the gas tax is going to be on the November ballot, the repeal of the gas tax, that 12 cent a gallon gas tax, which was passed and was wildly unpopular. And there was a state senator you just heard him refer to who, who got bounced out of office. They recalled him in Southern California. He's gone because he was the final vote that voted for Jerry Brown's gas tax. He's going to paint Gavin Newsom with that gas tax label. He's going to drive that bus all the way from here until November, and you're going to hear this time and again from John Cox. He's going to hit those core issues, and he says he's going to try to appeal to that moderate base in the middle, which he says he can win. He says, look, there are other Republicans who have become governor. Pete Wilson, Arnold Schwarzenegger, we can go right on down the line. It can be done. Uh, the time now is 544, and before we go to the break, in uh, in the interest of balance here, let's play a little bit of Gavin Newsom. This was Gavin Newsom on the election night with his supporters. This is only the first half of the election calendar, but thanks to you, the halftime score is looking very <laughs> promising, and the home team is winning big. So that was his first audio clip. We're going to play another audio clip from Gavin Newsom on the other side of the break. And in that audio clip, we get a really good idea of the strategy that he's going to use against Gavin Newsom. How is he going to run his campaign against John Cox, rather? How does Gavin Newsom run his campaign against John Cox? We'll take a look at that strategy on the other side of the break. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. I'm Sam Shane. This is KFBK. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio KFBK. You know, I, I had this and forgot to bring it up, and I, just, I do want to mention it backpedaling just a second because it's such an important figure. This is from the uh, Orange County Register. 
They report that California faces a $1 trillion unfunded pension liability. $1 trillion. I don't know how they're going to get out of that mess. And they don't either. They're just kicking that can. Patrick from uh, Granite Bay is on the phone with us on a Saturday evening. How are things with you tonight, Patrick? It's doing great. How are you, sir? Not too bad. What's on your mind? Well, you know, I'm a... I'm on my second career. My first career was definitely with a utility where I stayed vested with PERS. Okay. I definitely can tell you um, it is going to sink. That, that, um, Cal, that CalPERS is going to sink? Yes. I'm like, I'm I, at 56, when I leave California, they're not going to pull one penny yeah. of my pension. Yeah. The re- main reason why I was calling in is what is very disturbing is last year, Around this time, about July, okay, I'm doing my best to find some licensed legal landscape maintenance. Oh, you having a hard time finding a landscaper who's licensed? So I call the contractor's licensing board. Uh huh. They refer me to a unit which I was totally unaware of, sir. It's called the Swift Unit. This unit is a unit where they will. Find a home that they can rent and then start calling them all in and finding out that not only do they not have a business license, which means they're not paying any taxes. So wait a second. Let's back up a second here, Patrick. You're saying that the California Contractors Licensing Board referred you to an outfit that that has unlicensed workers? No. Um, What I did is when I called the Contractors Licensing Board, they have a unit that's under their umbrella and it's called the Swift unit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. And this is really part of Jerry Brown's, um, having us, you know, just let's just have a free for all as, you know, no oversight. And when they asked me if I knew of someone who had a home that they could pay $200 a day, because their budget was like 400 yeah. to go after these. I went, are you kidding me? You mean everyone in California can just go out there, have a, have a business with no license? No, no, I don't believe that's the case. I mean, you have to have a license. I mean, the contractor's licensing board requires that you have a license. Yeah. I, 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 just, I didn't understand where Patrick was going there, and I, I'm not sure that in the next hour and five minutes we could ever really sort this out. So I think we're just going to... Let that go and move on. Time now is uh, 5.53, and I want to pick up more on the race for governor. Uh, The phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. If I want to give a phone call and give us your reaction to our governor's race and the two men who are now in it, and what do you think about John Cox and Gavin Newsom, who leads him by about six or seven points in the early going, which frankly, given where Cox was uh, four months ago, is pretty remarkable. So let's take a look at how Gavin Newsom may strategize against John Cox. And Cox expects that Newsom will try to tie him, Cox, to President Trump. And then Cox also says he believes that that would be a big mistake. 
Gavin Newsom wants to make it about Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump did not create our housing crisis or our schools that are 45th in the nation uh, or our water issues where we haven't built enough reservoirs. Uh, Gavin Newsom is going to blame the president and try to distract people. And I'm going to bring him back to getting a state that's quality and a place you want to really come to and live. So was John Cox onto something there with that strategy, with his his read on how he, Gavin Newsom, will run against John Cox, and maybe so. Now listen to what Gavin Newsom says. This is on, the, again, election night, and he's talking to his supporters, and in this clip, he sounds like he was running more against Donald Trump than anybody else. We're a state where we don't criminalize diversity. We celebrate diversity. A state where we don't obstruct justice, we demand justice for everybody. Where we don't regulate a a woman's body more than we regulate assault weapons out on our streets. And where we invest in children, Jeff Sessions, invest in children where we don't tear them from the loving arms of their mothers and their fathers. Wow, he invoked the name Jeff Sessions. Just Pulled that right out of thin air. Here you go. <laughs> Gavin Newsom made no bones about it. I mean, he laid his cards right on the table on the primary election night, calling out members of the Trump administration. That's where they're going to go. That's how they're going to run it. They're going to run it against Donald Trump. They're going to roll the dice, and they're going to assume that Donald Trump is far less popular in this state than John Cox. No matter what John Cox runs on, no matter what his platform is, no matter what the issues are or the policy might be, they'll try to run against Trump because they figure, look, Trump is in this blue state. When you get into Los Angeles and San Francisco, he's got no shot. We'll just run against Trump. Forget the issues or the policy. John Cox is going to run a different kind of campaign. John Cox has indicated, and he did so the day after the primary election, that he is intent on painting Gavin Newsom as a special interest candidate. A bunch of special interest groups, they're afraid of what I'm going to do because they have a lot of money that they're making off the people of this state. That's why we pay so much for housing and gasoline and electricity and all the things we pay for. So I'm going to interrupt that special interest holiday and I'm going to try to bring this state back to reality and make it livable. Uh, Gavin Newsom is the, is the tool of the special interests. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make this state uh, affordable again, and, and that's what they're uh, upset about. I think this is going to be a barn burner. I really do. I think this is going to be one heck of a race. And I don't know why, but it's just one of these things after 30-plus years in, in the news business. Uh, I, I always thought that this was going to be I, – I just, I just believe it. The, the way it's shaping up, and what we have seen from Cox and his momentum in the last particularly five, six weeks. And he's within six to seven points of Gavin Newsom, who two years ago, you ask anybody at the state capitol or anybody in Sacramento or anybody, frankly, in California, who's going to be the next governor. And anybody who knows anything about politics, I would guess eight out of ten would said Gavin Newsom. But I think it's really going to shape up to be a really, really interesting race. 
And the strategies are going to be very dynamic and changing and fluid. Don't be surprised if this campaign changes. It's a 558. We have to take a break. Uh, Back on the other side, we're going to talk more about President Trump disinviting a football team and what that caused, the stir that caused this past week. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. We're back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Welcome to Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane. We are here for almost one more hour live here in the KFBK studios. We're here every Saturday night from 5 o'clock until 7 p.m. A couple of hours of live radio, and you can join us here at 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Saw this out there this past week and just thought I have to bring this up. A televangelist in Louisiana asking his disciples to, quote, pray about becoming a partner, end quote, to his mission of obtaining a $54 million private jet. The Louisiana-based ministry of Jesse Duplantis has already paid cash for three other private planes, but he says that God told him, and I quote, I want you to believe in me for a Falcon S7X. I mean, you you can't make it up. You can't make it up. Duplantis says that the three-engine plane would allow the ministry to fly anywhere in the world in one stop, reducing fuel costs while maintaining a global reach. Duplantis furthermore says Jesus Christ, and this is a quote, wouldn't be riding on a donkey today. He'd be in an airplane flying all over the world. I guess Jesus wouldn't be on a Southwest Airlines. He would be on a private jet. I guess that's how that would work. Oh, where do these guys come from? <laughs> it's uh, 608. Phone number is 916-921-1530. Toll-free number 1-800-834-1530. So this past week will also be remembered as the week that President Trump disinvited the Philadelphia Eagles to the White House. Of course, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And when teams in America win big championships like you know, big-time college football programs or the Super Bowl, the World Series, the NHL, Stanley Cup. You know, you go right on down the line. They are very often invited to the White House. Well, now that President Trump's in there, that's become a bit of an issue for some. Not sure they want to go. They don't like the guy. They don't like his policies. Not sure they want to show up. So they invited the Philadelphia Eagles, and they said, yeah, we'll be there. And then the phone calls started coming in from the Eagles to the White House saying, you know, it's looking like a few of the guys might not show up, and then it looks like a few more might not show up. And then it got to a point where a lot of them probably aren't going to show up. And then the president said, you know what? None of you are going to show up. Invitation rescinded. So after he disinvited the Philadelphia Eagles, he had a, a rally, kind of a patriotism type of rally. And he gave a brief speech, and he went on to give detail on why Americans stand for the national anthem. I want to take this opportunity to explain why young Americans stand for our national anthem. Maybe it's about time that we understood. We stand to honor our military and to honor our country and to remember the fallen heroes who never made it back home. We stand to show our love for our fellow citizens and our magnificent Constitution. We stand to pay tribute to the incredible Americans who came before us and the heroic sacrifices 
they made. You know, he's polling well on this issue. And the NFL owners and the commissioner don't know what to do about it. They have no idea what to do about it. He's backed them into a corner, and they don't know what to do. They're trying to come up, you know, they, they came up with a new policy saying, okay, everybody's going to stay in the locker room. We'll see if that works. Uh, but a majority of the American people in recent polls support President Trump on this issue. But nobody was angrier, or at least few people, I should say, over President Trump's decision to rescind the invitation than the mayor of Philadelphia himself. This is Jim Kenney, who said this past week, President Trump is not a patriot. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't shocked that he did that, but I was also kind of happy he did it because I didn't want this team to be disunited over this issue. Uh, if he banned all of them from coming, then all of them as a team won't come. Uh, in the, in, in, if that didn't happen, then some would have gone, some would have not gone, and hopefully that wouldn't have bled over into the locker room this season. So we can, we can live without Donald Trump uh, when we go after our second Super Bowl. Now the next thing that Kenny said, he just let loose. And I'm going to play that bite for you in just a second. But before we do that, let's get to Brian. He's from Orangevale. He calls in on this issue tonight. Hi, Brian. How are things for you on a Saturday? Doing very well, Sam. Thank you again for your show. Uh, I'm just going to say this tongue-in-cheek. As far as uh, the president acknowledging, from a social standpoint, the uh, achievements of athletes, because it's kind of a feel-good thing for the nation, but because of all the ripples that have come out lately over this, my solution is simple. And again, this is tongue-in-cheek. President Trump ought to invite the owner, the trainer, the jockey and the horse that just won the Kentucky Derby. Because <laughs> I know that horse is a proud American. Yeah. I have no doubt about it whatsoever. You know what? I tell you what, after seeing that horse run, I'd like to see that horse. Isn't that I, amazing? I mean, he's an unbelievable specimen. Holy yeah, that, that, smokes. That, that, that's, that's the strength of America right there. And, and it's been years since there's been a horse on the White House ground. So that's my vote. That's what we need to do. <laughs> well, well, I, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you prefaced that with tongue-in-cheek, or I would have thought you were serious with that. I don't have any influence to make that happen, but wouldn't it be amazing? Yeah, it sure would. Look, I, I'll tell you what, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he just stops inviting teams. Well, I know. I mean, well, well, I mean why too. bother? I mean, if it's I know. if it's that big of a pain for you to go to the White House, yeah. I mean, okay, good. Look, he's the president. He's got a few things to figure out. I mean, yes. he's got a he's got a number of leaders at the G seven summit who are quite upset with him right now. So he, yeah, well, he, you know? he and this whole thing about uh, friend, friends and allies and most favored nation status, you know, we granted that to a lot of countries years ago to, you know, encourage their loyalty towards us, and cooperation, and that most favored nation status is something that happens mm-hmm. from a commercial standpoint. It just we bend over backwards to accommodate their economy, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and now that there those economies are up and strong. They're not reciprocating, so well, there needs see, to be a balance, and I applaud the president for seeking balance. And, and Brian, you're obviously well-versed on this topic, and these are the serious issues that the president has to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Inviting a sports team to the White House is a nice gesture to do, and it's a nice moment for the country, but yeah. if it's going to become political, I mean, why bother? Yeah, and, and what do they used to say about uh, 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 you know, wetting yourself wearing a dark suit? Nobody notices, but you get a warm feeling over the deal. <laughs> Well, you're 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 uh you're on a roll here today, Brian. I almost hate to let you go, but right. I'm, I'm sure you got to go write more material. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> All right, thanks very much, Brian from from Orangevale, calling in, lightening things up. 
Uh, let's see. Why, why don't we do this? I, I do want to get this soundbite from the Philadelphia mayor, but this is this we just cannot play and run into the break because it's amazing. So let's do that. Let's take a, a quick break, do a little bit of business here on Weekend Live. My name is Sam Shane. The phone number, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Give us a call. What do you think about what the president did and the reaction he's been receiving regarding the Philadelphia Philly or Philadelphia Eagles? Wrong team from Philly. My bad. Time for a break. We're back in a moment. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. How about the Warriors? Oh, that's an above-average basketball team and have been for years. And they schooled the Cleveland Cavaliers. Congratulations to the Warriors. Steve Kerr and the rest of the gang did a great job. Wonderful season and a lot of fun to watch. But they're not going to be going to the White House. That's been made very clear. President Trump indicated before he left for the G7 summit that the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Warriors would not be invited to the White House. LeBron James had held a news conference earlier this week and said, we're not going, nobody wants to go. And Stephon Curry said the same thing. And then they asked President Trump about it. He said, I don't care. I'm not, I didn't invite them. It doesn't matter what they think. So the Warriors aren't going to be going to the White House. But when he, the the president, disinvited the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, boy, was the mayor of Philadelphia, Jim Kenney, was he a mad guy. And here's one clip where he just lets loose on President Trump. Mayor Jim Kenney calling President Trump a tyrant who's trying to become a dictator. I don't hear the I don't hear from the White House on anything other than when we're suing them uh, to keep them from defunding us because we're a welcoming sanctuary city. Um, I think cities need to stand up in this country, and, they, and many mayors have stood up in this country against this tyrant. Uh, he is trying to turn this country into into a dictatorship uh, by ignoring the courts uh, and by saying and doing what he wants, by ignoring the Department of Justice and saying and doing what he wants. And in the end, this will all come to a conclusion, and it won't be a good ending for him. I'm not sure how he's ignoring the Department of Justice. I don't. I'm pretty sure they're complying with Mueller's investigation. Pretty sure. Hard to really know what to believe. All the time coming out of Washington D.C. By the way, the IG's report on that entire Russia investigation. The, they're going to have their report come out uh, the 14th this week, and that should be a good read. There have been leaks already about the investigation which indicate that James Comey, the former FBI director, could be in some trouble for how he was handling himself and the investigation. We'll find out this week. 622 is the time. Uh, phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Feel free to give us a call and weigh in. This one crossed late this past week. Former President Bill Clinton was asked whether he thought it was a, quote, good thing that norms have changed when it comes to sexual harassment. And the example that was used was former Minnesota Senator Al Franken being forced to resign his post after accusations that were less serious than what happened in the Lewinsky scandal. So Bill Clinton wrote a book, and he started his book tour, and he has to go on the publicity tour as well. 
and he's getting in front of interviewers who aren't always quite so friendly. And they begin asking him about Monica Lewinsky in light of the Me Too movement. So Clinton answered that question, said, well, in general, yes, I think it is a good thing. But then he proceeded to defend Al Franken, and he questioned the legitimacy of the accusations against Franken. Quote, I'll be honest, Clinton said, the Franken case for me was a difficult case, a hard case. Then he, he cited the support that Franken received from women on Saturday Night Live. Remember this? They wrote letters. They called the first accusations from a radio anchor. Her name, her name was Leanne Tweeden. He said that these uh, accusations were, quote, fantastic. And this is the direct quote that comes from. There may be things I don't know, but maybe I'm just an old-fashioned person. But it seemed to me that there were 29 women on Saturday Night Live that put out a statement for him and that the first and most fantastic story was called, I believe, into question. Well, here's the problem. Tweeden provided pictures, photographic evidence of former Senator Franken appearing to grope her as she slept. And she said that Franken forcibly kissed her. That was an incident that Franken said he remembers differently. Clinton went on to say that he thinks it's a grievous thing to remove an elected official from office. I mean, I think it's a grievous thing to take away from the people a decision that they have made, especially when there is an election coming up again. I, I, I just, the, the guy just hasn't evolved on the issue. I mean, this took place 20 years ago, the Lewinsky scandal. I mean, it's just amazing how it doesn't seem as though there's been any, any real depth or growth at least in his thinking. It was just kind of breathtaking to, to read that interview. I want to push forward here because this I found to be also very interesting and did not get a lot of play, and I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, this is a clip from uh, Steve Bannon. I think we've got time for that. Okay, we do. Thanks, Luis. Steve Bannon, this is an interview with CNN, and he said that he believes that President Trump will shut down the government before the midterm election. That's coming up. Shut it down if Congress fails to fully fund the wall. The wall is central. The wall is not just totemic. The wall is absolutely central to his program. I believe that what he's going to do is as we come up on September 30th, if that appropriations bill does not include spending to fully build his wall, not some $1.6 billion for prototypes. I mean to build the southern wall. I believe the government will actually shut down in the run-up to the election. Whoa. That would be something. That would be a political risk. There's no doubt about that. Is he willing to take that risk? Maybe. We're seeing a different side of, of President Trump in the last four months. This seems to be the guy who was on the campaign trail, and this seems to be the guy who feels emboldened. His, his numbers are going up in the polls. He's had success on the economic front. The jobless numbers have dropped at record lows for a number of different demographics, including women, including blacks. He's doing very well on that front. He's cut taxes. It has stimulated the economy. He's cut regulation. The business community is humming along. They are looking for people. There are job openings like crazy. And on the foreign affairs front, 
He has the upcoming summit with Kim Jong-un. That will be taking place in Singapore this week, which will be very interesting. And people view that as a victory. Despite the tensions at the G7 summit, he went there and he made his point and he stuck to his point. And he feels as though he is the negotiator-in-chief. And maybe what Bannon said here is right on the mark. Maybe he's going to stick to his guns here. He did indicate the last time that he signed a spending bill where there wasn't enough funding to build the wall in that spending package, and it was a huge spending package. He said if he gets another one of these, he's not going to sign it. And you just get the impression that he means it this time. Who knows? It's... uh. 628, the phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. We've got another half hour to cover on the other side of the break here on Weekend Live. We are here every Saturday night from 5 o'clock until 7 o'clock, and you can join us at any time to talk about the day's events and what's coming up in the next week. Uh, this is a guy who has kind of disappeared from the radio, and we're going to hear from him on the other side of the break, um, and I find him to be refreshing. Uh, there, there's nothing quite like a good Dennis Miller rant. And he used to have his own radio show, and he doesn't do that anymore. Uh, and he used to appear on uh, Fox with Bill O'Reilly on a regular basis. Of course, Bill O'Reilly's show is no longer on Fox. So we hear a little bit here and there, and he's still active on social media. But uh, he had some some very interesting things to say about Donald Trump and where the country is. And, you know, no matter what Donald Trump does, there are people who will just absolutely despise the guy no matter what. And, and, and only a very funny and insightful way that Dennis Miller can do. So if you're a Dennis Miller fan, you want to stick around for that. Uh, and also Newt Gingrich. We're going to hear from Newt Gingrich. Um, I'm not the only guy who thinks that this race for governor in California could be pretty tight. Could be a real barn burner. Newt Gingrich thinks that that's possible as well. So we'll talk about that and much more on the other side. My name is Sam Shane, phone number 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. This is Weekend Live, and we're back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Saturday night in Northern California, 635 is the time. This is Weekend Live. On KFBK News Radio, AM 1530. My name is Sam Shane. Thanks for joining us. Phone number is 916 921 1530, 1 1530. We talk about some of the big items that took place the past week and what's going on today and what we're looking forward to in the week coming up here on Weekend Live. What do you think about the message that President Trump has been delivering? Number one, are there people who, no matter what he says and what he does, automatically tune them up? Doesn't matter. And number two, are people beginning to tune out the negative messages about Trump? Are they beginning to tune out the media? So Dennis Miller weighed in on both of those topics. And uh, Miller used to have a radio show and uh, used to appear on TV with uh, Bill O'Reilly on Fox. Very funny guy, very cerebral guy. Lives in Southern California in Santa Barbara. So the first soundbite that we're going to play from Dennis Miller is during a recent interview, this is him on how no matter what President Trump does or accomplishes, there are just those Americans who will never give him credit that will just despise the guy no matter what. 
And you know what? I can't wake up every day, although I realize there's a suitable part of this country that will never ever budge. I don't even know that getting him out of there is as important to them as clinging to their hate for him. It is like an Algonquin uh, campfire of hate that they all warm themselves around. It's never going to change. It's either going to be hate for the next two years. They think they're going to get him out. I, I don't think they will. It'll be hate until the four years or it'll be hate for eight years. But every iota he's in there, they'll never give him credit. I can't do that. I didn't do it with Obama and he wasn't my cup of tea. Is Miller right? Is there this, this group of Americans, no matter what, will always hate Donald Trump. Doesn't matter what he does. If the guy cured cancer, they still wouldn't like him. Phone number is 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. And the reason we play the Dennis Miller interview is not just the content, but the man has a way with words. And he has a very interesting way of putting things in context. So he went on to talk about what's taking place in America today. He went on to say that Americans are just starting to tune out a lot of this anti-Trump. The spin and the stories and the coverage and the late-night programming, which is dominated by anti-Trump. And that, believe it or not, there are Americans out there who actually like what President Trump is doing, and they believe that the coverage of him is unfair. I'm telling you, this day-to-day -day hysteria is really falling on deaf ears to a large degree yeah. now. There's a part of this country that likes him. And there's a part of this country, if he brings the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula to bear, and he wins the Nobel Peace Prize for that, they're not going to want to slit their wrists. They're going to say, well, they gave that to Obama like a month after he was in office. And he goes on to say that he's not really all that convinced that the Nobel Peace Prize even means that much anyway, because Miller went on in the interview to point out that once upon a time they gave it to a guy named Yasser Arafat, won the Nobel Peace Prize, one of the most violent leaders in the history of the modern world, won the Nobel Peace Prize. So I just thought that those were kind of interesting spins on what's taking place in our country today. I want to talk a little bit about what's taking place on the political front with uh, some, some of the predictions and some of the strategy that Newt Gingrich sees playing out right now in the country. Uh, time now is 640. The phone number, by the way, is 916-921-1530, uh, 1-800-834-1530. He did a, a, an extensive interview. He, too, has uh, started a, a, a brand-new book. He's launched a brand-new book about the first 500 days of the uh, Trump administration and what's taking place in this country. And uh, he believes that this is a, a revolutionary period in the presidency, that, that the accomplishments of, of Donald Trump right now are much greater than we realize, and that history will reflect that. So he said in this recent interview, he predicted that we are actually closer to a red wave than a blue wave in the upcoming fall elections. And uh, he made some other predictions and, and insightful uh, comments in his interview. This was with Fox. First of all, I think that Google has an obligation to have some system of fixing things like this and being able to do it within a couple of hours. And I do think they run a risk that they're going to start getting hearings if, if in fact, this is used as an engine of left-wing propaganda. People are going to demand, I think, real reform. 
Okay, so here's what he's talking about with Google. And, you know, this is another one of those stories that sort of it sort of hit the surface, but it really stayed under the radar. So this was a, just a week before the California primary, okay? So you, let's go back maybe about a week and a half, something like that. And Google listed the word, and I quote, Nazism as the ideology of the California Republican Party. Somebody took a screenshot of this, okay, and posted it. So they Googled California Republican Party, and the leadership is Jim Brulte. He's the chairman. We know that. Founded in 1854. And then the next line down says ideology. The very first word they used to define the ideology is Nazism. I mean, how does that happen? How is that a mistake? And as, as Gingrich said, th- there needs to be an investigation here, and maybe we need to call Google in. And, and maybe we have a monopoly on our hands that needs to be regulated. I mean, are we getting back to regulating monopolies now, but we have to do it because Google is, is such a major force. Brian from uh, Lincoln gives us a phone call at 642. And, Brian, I think we have time on this side of the break to take your phone call. How are things for you tonight? Oh, not too bad. Just driving back from Lincoln. Uh, I was visiting my dad, so I'm going to go visit my mom now. Very nice. What's on your mind? Well, um, I was going to try to offer to answer your question. Um, I think that, yes, there are people who will always hate President Trump, no matter what. But I think that um, for all the presidents I've ever been alive to see, I think that's been true of, of every one of them as well. Well, uh, that's that's true, but, I mean, it seems as though this is almost visceral. I mean, it, I, I, the, the depth to which we're seeing is amazing to me. I would say you're right. You know, I think um, I think in the Clinton days, I think we saw the same level of hatred against Clinton. You know, I think. Um, Did so we maybe see that says maybe that says something? You yeah. Know, okay. I, I mean, I think they, I think to a certain degree, you're right. I mean, we saw. I think we saw it to a large degree with Reagan. We did see it with Clinton. We did see it a little bit with the Bushes. Uh, not so much with Obama, but I guess you know a, a fair amount. But boy, I mean, I have never seen the networks ever take after a guy like they have with this guy. I don't know about that. Yeah, I. I you, you don't. Wait I, a second. No, wait a second. You tell me one late night show that's friendly to him. That that is supportive of him. Yeah. One. No, I don't. I, there's I not one. There's not any. one late night show that supports him. What about um, uh, George Bush the second? Would there have been any that supported him? No, I'll tell you what. There wasn't it, nearly the criticism of George Bush, either George Bush, or even Ronald Reagan. Do you by, think by late night television that we're seeing now? That could be true. I, I don't know. Do you think that people have a short memory with those kinds of things? Because no. I mean, George George Bush the second was definitely the Satan. You know, a couple of years into the Iraq War. You know, well, I mean, no, was, no, no, yeah, no. I'm not saying that they didn't criticize him. Of course they did. I'm saying to the degree that we're seeing here, this is across the board. I mean, I can tell you what they're going to do on Saturday night every Tuesday. I can tell you exactly uh-huh. what they're going to do. I mean, it's. Uh-huh. And in fact, some of the people, some of the actors who were on Saturday Night for years, some of the comedians say it's not even funny anymore. They got to get off this. Yeah, well, I think they've got a point there. You know, I think it. You can only, you know, that show is only going to be popular for so long. Not that show, the Saturday Night Live show, but the bash. You know, the yeah, the, yeah, it's show, it's so. it's just an old tired storyline. Okay, got yeah. it. I got it. You don't like the guy. Okay, let's do something funny and original. You know? Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> so. 
All right. I, hey. I think, you know, the, okay, sorry, go ahead. I was going to make another point, but okay. I don't have time. That's no, cool. no, you go ahead. Well, real quickly. Okay, I, I was just going to say that, you know, I, I voted for Republicans several times, and I did not vote for this Republican uh, candidate, but, I, you know, I'm more on his side than I am on the other side, but I, I just can't, I, I, to me, it's just so amazing to watch what's happening today, you know, with a president that, that I mean, it, you know, people talk about his strategy and his grand plan and everything, and it, to me, he has no discernible strategy or plan, you know, but I... But I'm also just fascinated to see the progress that he's made in foreign policy and you know domestically. And so maybe I mean, Brian, it, maybe it, Brian, I he, just cannot figure it out. Yeah. I, well, look, he he's he's rolling out his agenda, and maybe he does have a grand plan, and maybe people have underestimated that. That is entirely possible yeah. because I'm not that smart, you know. But I, mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Brian. I, I, I can't figure it out. Well, you're know. certainly articulate, so give yourself a little <laughs> bit of credit. So. Hey, th- right, well, th- thanks. thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate it. You make great points. I, I really uh, appreciate a good phone call. 646 is the time. We do have to take a quick break. Uh, more on Gingrich's predictions for California and the upcoming election on the other side. KFBK Weekend Live News and Analysis on News Radio KFBK. We pick up where we left off. Thanks for joining us. This is Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane. 916-921-1530 is the phone number, 1-800-834-1530. Uh, we're winding it down. We're going to be here till about 7 o'clock. We are here every Saturday night from 5 until 7 o'clock, and we thank you for joining us. want to pick up with uh, Newt Gingrich. He talked extensively in this recent interview uh, about California politics, and I, I think he's a really insightful guy. He's one of those people that, when he talks about political strategy, I, I really dial it in because um, he seems to have his hand on the pulse of not only America, but he understands how Washington, D.C. works and the machinations of, of government. And that's an unusual combination for someone to have so much insight in both realms. So we just heard him talk a little bit about Google, which uh, the, the story was was very concerning, how they define the ideology of the California Republican Party with Nazism. Uh, Here he is talking about John Cox. And again, a good week, a really good week for John Cox, who came in number two to Gavin Newsom, and of course those two are now in a runoff in November for the governorship in California. He says that John Cox, he predicted that he would come in second to Gavin Newsom, and he was right about that prediction. He also believes that Cox can actually challenge Newsom in a close race for governor. I think John Cox is going to be in the runoff for governor. I think that makes an enormous difference in California, both because <clears throat> the truth is the Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom is not running that well. Californians increasingly, I think 65% of them now believe the cost of living is too high. Uh, the Democrats passed a huge gas tax increase, and I think that uh, John Cox has a real shot at changing politics in California. Gingrich has a really good eye, and his you know he has his ear to the ground, as they say. He has a, a nice way of judging and, and gauging, and you know what's the temperature in the room, and what what's the broader story of of California, and and he really pointed out a few, I think, relevant topics. Number one, Newsom is, I'm not sure what Newsom's campaign is. Right now, it seems that that Gavin Newsom and his campaign. They're intent on running against Donald Trump, and they're not running for something. That's always a mistake. You have to give people hope. Number two, the gas tax is enormously, wildly unpopular. 
and John Cox will bring that up, and he will tie Gavin Newsom directly to Jerry Brown, who pushed for it. And on those two issues alone, this could be a tight race. So I think that Gingrich was really spot on. Secondly, he also believes that we are closer to a red wave than a blue wave coming for the coming fall elections. I actually believe we are closer to a red wave than a blue wave. Now, if you went back to December, frankly, I was concerned. The, the huge generic gap, we had not yet passed the tax cuts. Things didn't feel right. People were upset that they'd had a year and things hadn't been accomplished. But starting with passing the tax cuts, with what President Trump has done consistently on conservative judges, on deregulation, on trade negotiations, what he's done with North Korea, I think people now have a sense that we're moving in the right direction. The polling indicates that he's right. So those are the thoughts of Newt Gingrich, and I want to get to this before we let you go tonight, uh, because this is classic. Popular lemonade brand Country Time. They said that they will pay the fines for those kids who have lemonade stands that get shut down for operating without a permit. How cruel and unusual is that? (laughs) So they're going to help kids cover the cost of city permits when the young entrepreneurs get their lemonade stand shut down. And they've released, they've launched this video that you can find out there in the uh, cyber world, no problem, and it's tongue-in-cheek. And uh, this is just a short clip right on the, front, on the front part of the video. Here it is. Around the country, kids are getting busted for running lemonade stands. Entrepreneurship, good work habits, good old-fashioned fun, shut down because of old, arcane, but very real laws to kids like Autumn Thomason. My lemonade stand got shut down because I didn't have a permit. It was unfair. She's six. It's happening everywhere. No, seriously, look it up. (laughs) No, seriously, look it up. Love that line. So here's what they're calling this uh, new campaign. They're calling it legal aid. And aid is spelled A-D-E, like lemonade. You get it. Uh, If a lemonade stand gets shut down or ticketed by city officials for not having proper permits or licenses, Country Time says they will reimburse the kid or the family for up to $300. you got to sell a lot of lemonade to hit $300. So my theory on all of this is that kids all across America have been racing out to the street with their set up their lemonade stands hoping that a cop comes by, (laughs) cites them with a permit, and then they could call country time and score 300 bucks. <laughs> so anyway, look it up. It's, it's a fun video to watch. Uh, we are approaching a 657, which means we're uh, coming to the end of it. But we are back again next week. We're here every Saturday from 5 to 7, live on KFBK. We call the show Weekend Live. Uh, the phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. We're done taking phone calls tonight, but you might want to write that down and Give us a call, jot down the number, and if there's something that happens in the news this week that you want to talk about next weekend, we will be here because it's going to be another busy week of news. The President of the United States is going to be in Singapore with Kim Jong-un on that summit talk. The IG report is coming out, giving us details on the Justice Department and the FBI's involvement in the Russia investigation and the early releases. The leaks indicate that there could be some pretty juicy tidbits in that. 
I'm Sam Shane. Thanks for joining us. We're back next week, same time, same place. We'll talk with you later.